So it's, it's uh, technically after Thanksgiving, and we are in December, so I'm, I'm now allowed to talk about Christmas. I know a lot of you go to the store. Uh, I think this year, it was in September, I walked in uh, to Costco, and they already had all the Christmas stuff out. And it's a little too early in September, but uh, now that it's after Thanksgiving, I uh, really wanted to start a series on, on Christmas. So for the next four weeks before Christmas, uh, I, I wanted to share with you um, just some various, various sermons on on what Christmas is all about. And today, uh, I want to talk about something that I, I've never been good at. I've, I've never been particularly good at giving. Uh, today, I want to talk about gifts. And, and I want to talk about what makes a good gift. And if you've ever gone to a white elephant gift exchange, I think we all know what a bad gift is, because I'm sure you've gone to a white elephant gift exchange and you've uh, brought your gift. And, and uh, you know, for me, when I do those white elephant gift exchange, I, I don't really follow the rules. So whatever the price limit was, I usually go like $5 over or like $10 over and I pretend like I got it on sale. I know it's really bad, but uh, I do that just because I want to bring the, to the pot something good. You know, I, I don't want to be that guy that brings something bad. <coughs> but what ends up happening is I, I, I go and I wrap my gift and it's, it's, it's something usually pretty good, something pretty decent. And I put it in there, and you know the, the way the game works, it's pretty terrible, but it's, it's, it's fun, I guess. Um, you go around, and, and you pick a gift, and you don't know what it is. And um, if you get a really good gift, the problem is if you get a really good gift, it's going to get stolen. Uh, if you get a really bad gift, especially if you go in the beginning, it's just the rest of the game is terrible because you get, you get like a gift, and it's, it's like a joke gift or it's something you'll never use. It's something you, you don't even really want, something you know, and you, like, you probably take out your phone, look it on Amazon, you realize this person didn't even spend half of the price limit and you get the gift and you just feel really bad. I remember one, one year, I wasn't me, but it was uh, with a group of our friends. Um, it was probably the worst gift that I, I have ever seen given at a white elephant gift exchange. Uh, but one of our friends, she got contact solution and she, did, and she didn't even wear contacts. And I remember like when she opened the gift, it was like... <laughs> It was like she knew no one was going to steal it from her, and she knew she was never going to use it, and I think she was holding back tears, because I think she was just so sad, because she was like, I, I put in a really nice gift in there, and I, I, I leave with this. And so um, just the idea of, of gifts, every time we, we come around this season, it's always kind of funny to me, because I'm, I am so bad at, at buying people gifts, and those parties and all those gift exchanges I'm terrible at. Uh, but what, when I think about the best gifts, um, not necessarily to give, but, you know, to receive, because I'm, I'm a pretty gift, good gift receiver, um, there's usually a certain, like, certain qualities that are, that are really good about gifts. Um, and and I, I, think, I think what I realize when it comes to a, a good gift, a good gift is, is it's, it's not going to have all of these characteristics, but it's going to have a, a combination of some of them, but usually a good gift is of high quality. It's usually made well. Uh, it's going to last a, 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 a certain expected amount of time. It's not going to break the moment you get it. Uh, a good gift usually is costly. It's not something that you um, just get for free. When you receive a gift from someone, it's not that the price matters. Uh, sometimes it's even the fact that they took the time um, and their time is costly, that they took the time to pick it out for you. And, and they know you so well that they, they took time out of their busy schedule to get you a gift that is 
personable. And, and that's, a, that's another quality that's usually good about gifts. It's catered for the person that it's given to. That it's not, it's not something that is just random or just something crazy expensive or just something that's really good. It's something that the person wanted or something the person needed. Um, there's, there's something about knowing someone and you get a gift for them that is just the perfect gift because they know you and it shows you that they know you. And sometimes it's not even any of these three qualities. Sometimes a good gift is simply the memory or simply the memory that it creates or the memory that it invokes. Sometimes a gift, it doesn't have to be expensive or high quality. Sometimes a, a good gift is simply a gift that gives the, the, the receiver a, a memory that they will remember for a long, long time. And when I think of these things and I think of, of giving good gifts, a lot of times it's, it's very daunting to go shopping. And, and again, if you are into Christmas, um, probably now is a good time to start thinking about what you're going to get for, for the loved ones in your family. Um, you know, so you can order on Amazon, make sure that it comes uh, before Christmas. But what, I, what I'm saying in all of these things is that a good gift, a good gift is a good gift because there's a heart behind it. There's emotion behind it. There is sacrifice behind it. There is meaning behind it. A gift is not a good gift simply because it is costly. It's because the heart behind someone giving you someone, something that is costly. That someone is telling you, I'm giving you this costly gift because of the heart I have behind it. Something that I know I'm learning as a parent is I don't want my children to receive nice gifts without understanding the heart behind the gift. And I know that in the holiday season, what ends up happening is that kids especially, um, and again, I'm not just talking about the little ones, I'm talking about the ones in middle school and the ones in high school, that when it comes, for, comes time for Christmas, that it becomes this time where, where it's not about the heart of the gift anymore, it's about the quality, about the cost, about the, the usefulness of the gift. And I remember what it was like to open up my first Super Nintendo. I remember what it was like to open my first PS2 and, and just be so excited on Christmas but what I need to remember, what we all need to remember, and what I need to teach my children is that the gift is good, but the meaning behind the gift is what I really want to convey to my kids, is really what their aunts and uncles are trying to convey with the gifts, what the grandparents are trying to convey with the gifts. It's not that the gift is great, it's that the love of the giver is great. It's that the giver wants to express their love. And I see this. I see this especially with my sisters, um, with, with my kids' aunts. Um, my sisters, when they meet up with the kids, it's like they have this automatic emotion just to buy them a bunch of stuff. And I, I think for, for, my wife and, for my wife and I, we're always like, oh, can you not? We have so many toys for the kids. Like, we don't have room for all this stuff. We're just gonna, it's just gonna be wasted. But their heart is just so full. Their heart is just wanting to show this affection to my kids. <coughs> it's not about the gift. And I know my kids look at the gifts and they're like so excited. But what I'm trying to teach them is, is go and say thank you. 
Go and say thank you to, to your aunts. Give them a hug. Give them a kiss. Show them that you're thankful and that you love them, that you care about them. And, and I, I would never want them to look at me and say, no, I want to play with my toy. I don't want to say thank you. Like, I, I want to train them to a point where they're like, oh, of course, I'll say thank you. And, and, and hopefully they really mean that thanks. Today I want to talk about, I want to talk about Jesus and Christmas. And there's no, there's no hidden trick. There's no twists in my sermons. Um, I'm not coming at this from a different angle but Jesus, when we celebrate Christmas, Jesus is the gift that was sent by the Father for us. And, and I think a lot of times we, we take Jesus for granted. And we act kind of like spoiled children. In the sense that Jesus came and died for us. And now we are granted eternal life. How great, how wonderful. What a wonderful gift from God. And what we end up doing is, is we take this gift that we've gotten and we've received from the Lord and we're just assured, I'm saved, I'm going to heaven, um, I'm forgiven, I'm loved. That's wonderful. Let me go live my life the way that I want to. I don't think that was the point. And, and not to say that Jesus dying on the cross for our sins doesn't save us from eternal damnation. It doesn't save us from our own selves. What I'm saying is, is that Christmas is a time to recognize the heart of the Father, the heart of God, that God loved us so much, that God so loved the world, that God loved us that he sent his Son to die for us. To, and what, I, what I'm saying, what I'm trying to get to you is, is every Sunday I come here and I tell you about Jesus and how Jesus has died for your sins and now you have eternal life. But I really want to focus on today is the love of God and how God is so in love with you, is so, is so desiring a relationship with you that he wanted to give you the most expensive gift, the gift of the highest quality, the gift that would last all of eternity, the gift that would invoke in you a feeling, a memory of just all of your life knowing that God is with you. And God is with you so much that he sent Emmanuel, which means God with us. He sent Emmanuel. He sent Jesus to be with us as a gift, not just to save you and to save your souls so that you can live in heaven forever and ever. He gave you this gift, which is a good gift so that he can show you his love. He wants relationship with you. And he sent Jesus to show you with this extravagant gift that he wants relationship with you. Today's text, we're going to talk about some other guys who gave gifts for Jesus' birthday, <laughs> for Jesus' birth. And it's a story that I'm, I'm sure many of you have heard, and even the, the kids, I'm, I'm sure that they've heard as well. But it's a story of the wise men. It's found in, in Matthew chapter 2, starting from verse 1, we'll read. But this is a story that I was, I was thinking about, and I realized why these wise men are included. But, but let's just 
Let's just read. Let's just read starting from Matthew chapter 2, verse 1. It says, Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled and all Jerusalem with him. And assembling all the chief priests and the scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. They told him, in Bethlehem of Judea, for so it is written by the prophet, and you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For from you shall shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod summoned the wise men secretly and ascertained from them what time the star had appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child. And when you have found him, bring me word that I too may come and worship him. After listening to the king, they went on their way. And behold, the star that they had seen when it rose went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and worshipped him. Then, opening their treasures, they offered him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. And being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed to their own country by another way. This is a, a beautiful story of these guys, most likely from Persia or, or Babylon, coming to Jerusalem. And, and, and probably what happened was these guys were the wise and rich guys uh, of Persia, um, of, of that region. They were the scholars. They were the ones that uh, studied uh, not only the stars, but they studied the, the various things like mathematics and reading and writing, and they were able to know a lot. And, and so what end up doing probably in their universities or in their places of, of studying, uh, they noticed something. And, and I, I want to make it very clear what this kind of is referring to in the original Greek. Um, they saw a star, but really when they say star, they mean a heavenly body. And when I say heavenly body, what most likely they saw was an angel, a spirit. And, and it, it's, it's not that a star appeared in the sky and hovered over Jesus, um, because now we know what stars are. Stars are very big and they're very ginormous, and a star did not just appear out of nowhere. And it most likely wasn't a comet. It wasn't like, some, like, a, like Hagley's comet just coming and, and showing over, over Jerusalem. Uh, really what we're talking about here is an angel appearing to these pagans, to these Persians, these Babylonians. And, and, and I, I imagine even when they're in their colleges, their universities, their places of education, and again, Persia at the time was the top dog. They were, they were the most educated people in the land. I can imagine as they're all talking and discussing what they're seeing together, this, this angel that they're seeing, this heavenly body that they're seeing, that I'm sure a lot of them were just being like, I don't know, we're seeing things. This is crazy. This is ridiculous. And they tried to explain it away. But there was a certain group of them that said, no, there is a reason why this star is appearing. This angel, this spirit is appearing over the land of Israel. And they're probably looking in their telescopes. They're probably doing their calculations of exactly where it was. And so they, they were saying, most likely, most likely, 
it means the birth of someone very important. And so what they do is they gather, they gather a lot of people, and it's not just three wise men, it's probably a lot, of, of, a, whole, a whole caravan of people that are going to Israel. And so what, what do they do? They say if it's the king, he's most likely going to be born in the capital. So they go to Jerusalem, and they meet with the current king, Herod, and they tell Herod, Herod, uh, we saw this star rise over, over Israel. And so we know, uh, or at least we've deducted, that the, the king has been born. And Herod is, is deeply troubled by this because he is king and he's paranoid that someone is going to overthrow him. And Herod is so paranoid, and it's, his paranoia was even before, um, before the wise men came. Herod was so paranoid that someone was going to overthrow him that he killed his own sons. This, this Herod was so, was so crazy in his power that when he had a son that was born, he would have them put to death. And so Herod hears from these wise men that a king has been born and a star has shown up over it. He goes to his scribes and his wise men, and, and the wise men knew what the Old Testament said, and they went to the book of Micah. And in the book of Micah, is, it, it talks about how the child, this, this Messiah, would be born in the, the city of David, the city of Bethlehem. And so Herod tells the wise men in a trick, oh, I want you to go and find this Messiah. Go find him and come back and report to me so I can worship him. But Herod's heart was not to worship Jesus. Herod's heart was to kill Jesus. So the wise men go and they meet Jesus. And at this time, Jesus was probably around six years old. Um, it, it's been a while since the, the angel appeared over, over the birth of Jesus. And it I guess it took the wise men a, a long time to figure out uh, where the star was. But as they approach the house of Jesus, the star arises again. This, this angel rises again over Jesus. They know this is, this is who we've been looking for. And they probably knock on the door and they, they see Mary and they see Jesus. And they, in the text, what it is, it's they go prostrate. It's not, they don't kneel. They, they literally lay down on their faces and they, 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 worship, they start worshiping Jesus in a full manner of submission and, and just giving glory, giving honor to Christ. And, and as they're prostrate, they're calling him the king. And as rightfully so, when they meet the king, they give the king gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And these these three gifts can be interpreted in various, various ways, but all three gifts are gifts given only to royalty. Myrrh is a very, uh, probably one you've heard about before because myrrh is the one that is used for embalming. It's the one used for burial. Gold is the one clearly for, um, used for royalty because only, only rich people uh, and royalty can afford gold. And again, frankincense is just another perfume that only rich people use. And so imagine, I, I don't know, this is, this is where it's crazy. Mary, knowing that she, that, that she gave birth to the Messiah, kind of gets, gets uh, her doorbell rung, and these guys, as they see Jesus, this six-year-old kid, they lie flat on their faces, worshiping him, calling him the king, and give him these gifts that are ridiculous that are only given to kings and queens, princes and princesses. 
I, I think the closest correlation that I could have to that is, you know, imagine a, a caravan of people coming to your house. And it's like the state senator or like the senators and the congressmen of our country. And all of them come, or a group of them come, and they, they ring your doorbell. And they ring your doorbell, and they bow on their faces, and they, they, they say to you, they, they say to you, here is a bucket of diamonds, and here is a, a, a case of gold, and here is a suitcase of cash. Here, because you deserve it, because you are the king. It was extravagance. It was impressive. But I think what was even more impressive is the fact that the Magi, the wise men, they had another dream that night. And after they met Jesus, they were going to go back to Herod and tell Herod, 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 the king has been born and he's been confirmed. The, the, the star rose again and we saw where he is. And it's Jesus of Nazareth. It's Jesus living in Bethlehem. You need to go and you need to bring your gifts to recognize the new king. But they had a dream which, which told them not to go back to Herod. And so instead of going back to Herod, they went back to their land after giving their gifts to Jesus. And I was, as I was thinking about this story, as I was thinking about why, the, why are the wise men included in this narrative? I mean, it didn't really have to. Um, be included in the text. I mean, there's a lot more that, that Matthew, um, Mark, Luke, and John could have written about. But why, why is Matthew including the story of, of the wise men? And, and it's really interesting because I realized something that we all need to wrestle with. You and I have far more the heart of King Herod than we do of the Magi. I'm going to say that one more time, just so you remember it. You and I, in this story, are far more like King Herod than we are like this Magi, than we are like these wise men. You and I are far more like King Herod than we are like these wise men. These wise men even though that they are pagan, even though they are not Jewish, even though they are not Christian, even though they are not a part of this religious system, they were willing to travel, they were willing to travel a great length. They were willing to give great gifts. They were willing to worship on their faces in humility. They were willing to give up their time, effort, and energy to a six-year-old boy named Jesus because he's the king. There were no questions asked. They were not trying to verify and trying to make sure that, that he was the king. They knew because they saw. They saw the star. They didn't know the Old Testament prophecies. They didn't know what, what the prophets of Israel said about the Messiah. These guys, they grew up in Babylon. They grew up in Persia. They, they might have known the Babylonian gods. They may have known the Persian gods. They had never heard that a Messiah was coming. That wasn't given to them. Babylonian texts don't have anything about Jesus coming. Babylonian texts don't have anything about a Messiah coming. And yet these guys saw this star and were willing to give costly gifts, expensive gifts, 
to the Lord. No questions asked. They didn't go to Jesus and say, Jesus, hey, when you, when you come into power, remember us. <laughs> Jesus, when, when you overthrow the Roman Empire, when you overthrow uh, the government, remember, I'm the Magi. You know, my, my name's Frank. Uh, remember me. My name's George. Remember me. No, they, they went there and, and they gave their gifts and they left. They weren't looking for anything for themselves. They, they, weren't, they weren't giving these gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh and going to Jesus and say, all right, Jesus, what do you have to give me? <laughs> what, are you, what are you, you going to give me, little boy? I gave, you, I gave you this gold, this frankincense, and myrrh, and I worship before you. What are you going to give me, huh, Jesus? No. The wise men gave their gifts. They worshiped God. They worshiped Christ, and they went on their way. We have far more the heart of Herod. This is not a condemnation. This is just a truth. Herod, when he heard the coming of Christ, when he heard the birth of the new king, what was he worried about? He was worried that his power was going to be stripped away from him. He was worried that his riches would be taken away from him. He was worried that he was going to be found guilty before this new king, and perhaps this new king was going to put him to death. When I say that we have far more... We have far more the heart of King Herod in modern Christianity. In modern Christianity, the problem that many of us have is that we do not want to sacrifice our life for Christ. We do not want to bow down to Christ. We tell people, like Herod told the Magi, oh yeah, 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 yeah. If, if you find if you find where he is, I'm going to go there so that I can bring my gifts and I can worship him. Go and find where Jesus is and come back to me and tell me. And, you know, I'll go back there and we can worship together. But far more our heart, our heart is not that way. Our heart is selfish. Our heart, we're, our heart is inwardly turned. Our heart is asking what can I get out of it? What's the benefit that I've received? Herod, Herod does what a lot, of, a lot of us do. We want Jesus when we need him, but we don't want Jesus when it requires our submission, when it requires our worship when it requires us to give gifts that are expensive and opulent. Herod didn't even want to give a token of recognizing Jesus as king, as Lord. He didn't want, he didn't want to go into his treasury. He didn't want to go into his, his storage and find expensive perfume and give to Jesus. Really, at the end of the day, he was angry at Jesus. He was angry and bitter that he even felt the obligation to do that. That these foreigners were coming to his land and saying that a king was born and that they needed to go worship him together. 
do we take our faith seriously? Is, is our faith something that is worth traveling a long distance for? Is our faith worth risking our reputation? Is our faith worth giving expensive gifts unto the Lord? These magi had it right. These magi saw the sign of God. They experienced God. They experienced the angel, the messenger, or, or however you want to put it. And I'm sure they had people back at home that were telling them, you're crazy. What are you guys doing? This journey is going to be so expensive for you to travel from Babylon over to Israel, this place in the middle of nowhere. What are you going to do? It's going to take months. It's going to cost so much money. And the gifts that you're giving to a child, what are you doing? Even the current government doesn't recognize him as Lord, as King. But they did. And their worship, I'm sure, I'm sure that when they died, that when they died and they, they, they found themselves at judgment before the feet of Jesus, I'm sure they were kind of like, oh, Jesus, it's you. It's, you're, the, you're, you're the judge that's going to judge me in my life. You're the one that I came to visit when you were a child. You're the king. But I think Herod had a different situation when he died. And he meets Jesus. You see, Herod was a Jew. At least half Jew, for sure. He was a Jew, so he knew Torah. He knew the book of the law. He knew the prophets. He knew what they said. He had all the information at his disposal. So much so that even when the Magi came to say that the king is born, Herod kind of knew what he was talking about. He kind of knew because the prophecy said that a Messiah was going to be born. The King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, was going to be born. Herod knew this so much that he went to his scribes and said, what exactly does it say? Where exactly is this child going to be born? And the scribes tell him, Bethlehem. Herod knew what he was supposed to say to the Magi when he said, let me know where he is so I can go and worship him too. What I find with a lot of Christians, and this is not directed to anyone, please, but what happens with a lot of Christians is we are granted the knowledge of who Jesus is. We know who Jesus is. We know where he is. We know what he has done. We know what he has said. But when it comes to real worship, when it comes to us actually worshiping Jesus, as Messiah, we many times have the heart of Herod rather than the heart of the Magi. We do a cost-benefit analysis in our worship. Jesus, I know I'm supposed to worship you, but if I worship you, I'm going to lose my position. <laughs> Jesus, if I worship you, I'm going to lose my social status. Jesus, if I worship you, I'm going to lose a lot of money. Jesus, if I worship you, I'm going to lose a lot of time, even away from my family. Jesus, if I worship you, I'm going to lose my life. And like I said, <laughs> the heart of the Magi answered all those questions 
with a very important statement. Jesus, what if I lose a lot of money? Jesus, what if I lose my status? What if I lose my position? What if I lose my friends? All these things. The, the Magi responded in, in, a, in a very simple way. But it's the king. But it, it, it's, it's the king of kings. It's the Lord of lords. It, like, it doesn't matter how much money we lose. It doesn't matter how many friends we lose. It doesn't matter if I lose my social status. It's the king. We gotta go and worship him. We gotta go and give our alms. We have to go and show our, our, our servitude because he's the king. When I see the king, I have to lay prostrate. I don't care what the people around me say. He's the king. There's a reason why I want our church to reach out to more unbelievers to people who don't know Jesus because it's going to bring us a freshness that when people start to come to know Jesus and they haven't been tainted by religion for a long time and they come to know Jesus and they've recognized Jesus as Savior and Lord and King, there is this freshness that comes when I experience conversion, when I experience people coming to know Jesus. They get so excited. They want to change their whole life. They're like, before I was living in sin, and now I have Jesus, and now I can, I can do anything. I can give up everything for him. That heart is needed still for us. Because so many of us, we've grown up like Herod. We've heard the stories. Even the three wise men, we've heard that story in Sunday school. We know it backwards and forwards. We know what gold, frankincense, and myrrh are. We know all the facts. But like Herod, even though he knew the facts, he still did not want to worship. How many of us know the facts of the gospel and yet do not want to submit under the gospel? This Christmas season, this Christmas season is not about putting our foot down and saying, Christmas is, is about Christ. It's about Jesus and putting our foot down and saying, hey, you, you follow our ways or, or, or else. Christmas should be a time where you look at yourself and you ask yourself, not others. <laughs> That's not how gift giving works. You don't tell others to give gifts. Ask yourself. What is your response to the king being born? The king of kings, the king of the universe, the king of all creation, the Lord of lords, the prince of peace, the lamb that was slain, the lion of Judah has been born. What is your response to that? Is it going to be like King Herod and say, let me know where he is born so I can kill him because I don't want him ruining my style. I don't want him ruining my position my power. I don't want him usurping my finances, my gold, my frankincense, my myrrh. Or is our heart going to be like the wise man that says, it's the king. Let's do anything and everything that we can to show him the proper worship, the proper honor, the proper glory. Jesus was not born on December 25th. I hope you know. Uh, the reason why we celebrate it is actually very important. The reason why we celebrate on the 25th is important. It's, it's the Roman holiday called Sat Saturnalia. <coughs> it basically was, is a time to, to worship their gods and just have a holiday and a day off. 
But the reason why we celebrate Christmas on Saturnalia isn't because of the Roman gods. It's because Christians got a day off. It, it, the, the reason that we celebrate on, on December 25th isn't because of Jesus. The reason why we celebrate on December 25th was because December 25th was a Roman holiday. And so what Christians did is that they were like, we all have this day off, and it doesn't come very often that we have a day off. So let's gather in our homes and let's celebrate the coming of the King. Let's celebrate the birth of Christ. Let's celebrate that our Savior has been born. And what ended up happening was, is that on this day, because it was their day off, they chose to gather together and celebrate the birth of Jesus. December 25th wasn't originally Jesus' birthday, but it was a day that was celebrated for the birth of of Christ, because the followers of Christ wanted, desired to take a day and celebrate their king. This Christmas, all, all, all I'm asking for you to consider and think about is with your family, how can you celebrate the king, this gift of God that was sent to you? And I'm, I'm going to talk about this the next uh, three Sundays, and so, you know, kind of buckle your seatbelts. We're going to talk about Christmas every Sunday, but but really, I want you to start thinking, Jesus is this wonderful and amazing gift that was given to God because he loves us. And if we love God, if we say we love God, we see what the Magi have done. But I'm asking you, what are you going to do? There's a lot of, a lot of things that are going through my heads of, of what you could do. But I know one thing, is that a good gift a good gift comes from the heart, comes from the heart of love. God sent his only son to die for us because he had a heart of love for us. And so if we're gathered here today saying we have a heart of love for Christ, for Jesus, what are we going to do? Let's pray. Father, I pray that you would give us the heart of the Magi. I, Father, I pray you would give us the heart of these wise men, that we would be prepared to worship you with our heads face down, that our bodies prostrate before you, saying that you are the king. Father, I pray that we would present to you the gifts that you, that you deserve. Father, I pray that we would not have the heart of Herod, that we would not want to find where Jesus is so that we can quell him, silence him, kill him, that we would not be afraid that Jesus would strip us of our power, of our authority, but instead that we would surrender and submit our lives unto Jesus. Father, I pray that in this holiday season that we would not be so stubborn with the world, but instead we would invite the world to see the goodness of your Son and the greatness of the gift that you've provided. Father, these wise men were pagan, and yet they came to know that your Son is Christ. Father, I pray that we would also be able to show our pagan world that you are the best gift this Christmas. We love you. We thank you. And in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We come before you, and Father, would you prepare us this Christmas season that as we have already accepted the gift of Jesus, and we have already accepted him into our lives,
I pray, Lord, that we would have a simple offering to give back to you, that we would give you our heart of gratitude and our heart of thanks for Jesus, that we would come giving all of our gifts that we need, but most importantly, that we would give you our hearts because you want just our hearts. Father, I thank you for our church. I pray that you would continue to have us focus on Jesus, have us focus on his love and his mercy and his grace. Father, would you give us the heart of the Magi rather than the heart of King Herod? We love you. And now may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, we pray. Amen.